I would like to spend one more week discussing the last last episode of Yeshua Parakeh, the last three psukim, the story of the appearance of the the Sartzva Hashem, the, 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 the heavenly apparition that appeared to Yeshua with a sword, a drawn sword. Yeshua asked him, are you, <coughs> are you with us or are you with our enemies? He told him, Lo, I'm not a human being at all. I'm not one of your allies. I'm not one of your enemies. I am a Sartzva Hashem Atavasi. I'm a captain of the host of the Lord. Now I have come. Those words are going to be critical for today's discussion. Atavasi, I have come today. And again, we said Yeshua bowed down and he asked him, What's your message for me? He told him to take off your shoes. We said it wasn't very clear what his message actually was. We're going to focus today on the Pasuk, the middle Pasuk, Pasuk Yudalad, when he said, Atavasi, now I have come. We're going to discuss the approach of Chazal, of Egemare and Megillah, elsewhere to this, to this Pasuk. We'll discuss a very interesting interpretation of this Pasuk Chazal have, and uh, we'll discuss the, the value that Chazal that the Chazal are asserting in this in this midrash. So the Gemara says as follows: Gemara and Megillah, Daf Gimel. We'll discuss what the connection is to Megillah, also how this is connected to Purim and the Megillah later. But the Gemara says it says Yoshua that, that that's back in Pasuk Gimel. Yoshua was in Yericho. There was a man standing uh, opposite him. So the Gemara says. Omar talks about the shade, the demon possibility we discussed last week. Neymar says, Omar Lo, the, the Malach told Yoshua that my, my problem is, my, my, I, have an, I have an issue with your conduct. He said, you did two things wrong. Emesh, yesterday, you neglected to, to perform the, the service of the Tumid Shalbein Harbayim. The Tumid, the carbon Tumid, was the twice-daily carbon. Tumid means constant, regular. So the carbon tumin was brought every day, twice a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon. And he says, Emesh, yesterday, uh, yesterday you failed to do the tumin shilbein harbayim, v'achshav, and now, v'taltum tamatar, you have failed to study Torah. Amr lo al man basa. Okay, so we did two things wrong, but which is the... Which is the critical one? Which is the one that prompted your appearance and your, your visit? Which, which is the, what's the bottom line? Which of these two is the, is the most significant problem? So he told them, he told him, Amr lo, atabasi. Now I have come, which, which somehow he meant to say by that, it's Talmud Torah. We'll discuss how that, how that alludes to Talmud Torah. Miyad, Yoshua rectified the situation immediately. Vayolen Yoshua balayla hahu Pusik says, or several Pesukim say, not in our parak, but in a later parak, it says that Yoshua spent the night, that night in the Amek, in the, in the valley. So that seems a relatively a mundane Pusik, but the Gemara says, Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Melamid Shalon, Ba'amko Shalhalacha. Amek here is an allusion to Talmud Torah, to the Amko Shalhalacha, the depths of the, of the Halacha. He spent the night learning Torah. He recognized, he recognized the importance of learning Torah, and, and he took corrective action to learn Torah, despite the fact that he was involved in a military campaign. Yes? Sim Simka suggesting he went to an actual valley to learn Torah, but the, 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 the Gemara is interpreting it a little bit differently, that, that, the, that, that, in other words, how do we see that Vayolan, how do we see from the words 
Vayolen, Betocha Emek. How do we see from those words that it was Torah? Because the Gemara understands that Emek is a Emek is a is an allusion to Talmud Torah. So the Gemara is telling us that the that the, the, the Malach had a criticism, two criticisms, but the the critical criticism of Yeshua was that they had failed to study Torah. They had been mavatal Torah. So there are a number of questions here addressed by Rashi and Tosis. So first of all, where do we see where do we see the where do we see that there were that the, the Malach had criticisms? Where do we see there were two criticisms? How do you see an where do we see an Atabasi that it was Talmud Torah? How did Chazal derive all this from the Psukim? So Rashi alludes to some of these questions. Tosis discusses them as well. Rashi says, from the from the answer of the Malach of Atabasi, now I have come. Those two words, Atabasi, Ata means now. Ata with an ayin means now. Basi, I have come. So we learn that the Malach initially had had two problems with Yeshua's conduct, and he was telling him uh, that that I'm coming for the for the issue of now, meaning there's more than one issue. But the, I'm coming for the most immediate issue, the most recent issue. The Rashi explains that emesh, emesh means, this was at night, this was occurring at night. So emesh means yesterday in, in, the, Jewish, in the Jewish calendar, the day turns at nightfall, not midnight, the day changes at night. So if it happened at, uh, at night, so emesh means yesterday, meaning earlier in the day, before, before nightfall, you did something wrong, and that was Tamid Shalman Arbayim, the afternoon Tamid. And... And be, because and, uh, and 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 that was not justifiable. Even though, of course, Rashi says Rashi takes for granted in a war, bikuach nefesh, lives are at stake. You sometimes have to abrogate certain halachas of the Torah. But he says it's evening, it's nightfall. They didn't used to fight at night. They, they didn't have night vision. They didn't have uh, infrared and uh, radar and so on. They couldn't fight at night anyway. So you're not fighting. So you should have brought the carbon tamid, the achshav, and now it is really night. Now it's not time for karbanos. You don't you don't bring karbanos at night. But now you should have studied Torah. And Rashi says why again? Rashi implicitly concedes that you're fighting a war. You're busy. You're busy with the war. You can't you can't study Torah while you're fighting. But Rashi says again. Um, now that it's Lila, now that it's not, you should have involved yourself in Torah. That, uh, you, that, that, that you can't fight at night anyway. So what are you doing? Just because you're in a war, the, what you have to do, you have to do. But it's nighttime, you're anyway in your barracks, you're, you're camping out, so it's so at night. So what, put guard, do whatever you have to do. But beyond that, you should be studying Torah. And the answer, so there were two things, and the answer of the Malach was... Right, Zimka's pointing out that you have to sleep so you can fight during the day. As a matter of fact, the, we always say this is the halacha and the laws of employment in Shulchan Aruch. The, 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 the post can bring, the, it goes back to Rishonim, that the, an employee has to work honestly, he has to do the work he's paid to do, he has to, his time belongs to his employer. But more than that, even on his own time, the halacha is a worker has to get a good night's sleep, because if he doesn't get a good night's sleep, he can't work the next day. A worker has to eat properly, even, even, even when it's his own food, that even when he's providing his own lunch and his own meals, because if he doesn't get proper nourishment, he's not going to fight well. So Simcha's pointing out, yes, you do, have to get a, you do have to get sleep as well, otherwise you can't fight the next day. But I guess Rashi understands that beyond that, beyond whatever sleep they needed, they were just doing other things in camp, and, and that there was no excuse for. And the answer was, Atabasi al There were two things. One was earlier in the day, when it was still day, and you should have brought the carbon tamid. One was now, that it's night, you should have studied Torah. Atabasi, the, the most immediate, the most recent thing, that was the one I'm most concerned about, the Talmud Torah. Yes, sir.
is he obligated to personally do it or to see that the Kohanim do it? The Karban Tamid. Yeah, so the question is, what was Yoshua's personal responsibility for the Tamid? He's not a Kohen, obviously. So he probably was not doing the Tamid. Azar is not allowed to do it. He was from, from Shevet Ephraim. He's not allowed to do most of the Avodah. Shechita he can do, but, but not the rest of it. So probably I would assume that the explanation is that as the, as the king, as the one in charge, he was the one directing the army, so he, he, he got to decide who was available, who was, uh, he had to issue the order, I guess, to make the Kohanim available, to dismiss them, to give them leave. So I'm assuming it's, it's his responsibility as the leader, the buck stops here, it was his job to make sure the Karvin Tumma was brought properly. So this is where Rashi understands that, the, that there were two Averis, so two... Spiritual shortcomings. One happened earlier in the day with the carbon tumid. One was later, right now in the evening. Atabasi, the, the atabasi. The problem is the problem is the most the, the critical problem is the most immediate one, the the one that occurs right now, and that is the Talmud Torah. Then the Gemara says, by Yolan Yoshua, the miyad right away. Yeshua rectified the problem. By Yolan Yoshua, and that means he studied Torah. Rashi's, Rashi and the later Rishon are bothered by an obvious problem here. There are actually two problems with this, with this psukim, with these psukim. Now, I, I don't know Navi so well, so I, I might not have batted an eyelash. The first problem is there's no such pasuk. The, the Gemara is actually combining and conflating two separate psukim. We'll, we'll see what they are in a moment. The second problem is that neither of these psukim happened at Yericho. Both these psukim happened actually later in, uh, in the battle against the Ai. The Ai was a later city they fought, a second battle they fought against, the, more than one battle against the city of the Ai. And that happened uh, later. That, that, that did not happen now. The first day, they, they, they marched around Yericho seven days. They, they toppled the walls. They invaded Yericho. Then there's the story of Achan, who, who violated the harem and took money, and they, they executed him. Then, at, at, at first, they had fought one battle against the Ai. They lost, and they fought a second battle. So none of this was... Uh, so, 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 the, so, the, so, so these took him of, of Yoshua... These took him happened later. These, these, took, him, these took him of Yoshua and his... And his uh, what he did, they happened later. We're, 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 we're concluding the Psukim and Parakeh, the last three Psukim and Parakeh. The Psukim the Gemara is quoting about Vayolin, Yoshua, Balailu, Betoch, Emek are in, in Parakeh, the Battle of the Ai. Uh, one Pasuk is in Parakeh, Pasuk Tes. It says, Vayolin, Yoshua, Balailahu, Betoch, Am. Not Betoch, Emek, Betoch, Am. One wonders if the Ai and Mem somehow, someone uh, gets confusable with Ai and, Ai and Mem Kuf. But that part says the Yolan Yoshua Balaila who that night, a night in the in the course of the battle against the Ai, he was the Yolan Betokaam among the people. The Pasuk of Betokaemek, that's a second Pasuk in Pasuk Yud Gimel, four second later, Parachet Pasuk Yud Gimel. It says Vayelech Yoshua, not Vayolan, again, one letter different, Vayelech, Vayolan, the Chaf or Nun. Vayelech Yeshua Balailahu, Betokaemek. There he was, Betocha Emek. The Gemara takes these two psukim and compresses them together. It brings the first half of the first pasuk, Vayolan Yoshua Balailahu, Betoch. Instead of Ha'am, it brings the second pasuk of Betocha Emek. Okay, so the, so, the, so, the, the, so the Torah compresses the, the two psukim together. So then Tosus says, Tosus, the, the, Tosus and Megillah points this out as well, that the that there are actually two different psukim here. Tosus says, Derech hashas. This is the way of the Talmud sometimes. Sometimes the Talmud doesn't quote psukim verbatim. We're brought up with a healthy, tremendous respect for Tarash Shabbat Every word, every letter, every nikud, every one of the tamim, everyone is critical and we don't change anything. The Gemara sometimes is a little bit uh, loose in its quoting of psukim. 
occasionally it abridges psukim. It, not that you would do that in an actual Sefer Torah, but when the Gemara quotes the psukim, so the Gemara will occasionally abridge or combine the psukim. Brings another example where the Gemara does that. Okay, the Tosa says, yes, the Gemara is not quoting the Pasuk entirely accurately, but it combines the two psukim. The other problem, though, is that, fine, but both these psukim that the Gemara combines, neither of them are about Yericha. Both of them occurred much later in the, in the story of the Ayat. I don't know how. I don't know exactly how many. It was, it was some days later. I don't know exactly how many days later. But this was not. The Gemara says miyad right away. This this happened later. So Tosis points that out as well. That loksiv b'hai krakein. That that the that. I'm sorry. Tosis says that Tosis says that one of the psukim apparently did occur in uh, did occur in the context of Yericho as well. Tosis says that. Tosa says that that Yoshua did spend a night in uh, Tosa seems to be saying that 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 that, that Yoshua did spend a night at 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 Yericho as well. Let me just take a look for that and see if that is here. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm not actually sure. I I I didn't notice any pasuk in. Uh, I, I didn't notice any pasuk about Yericho that says that 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 that, 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 talk, that talks about Yeshua spending any time, spending any nights in uh, spending spending any nights in in Yericho. Um, anyway, but Tos, what what Tosa says is that right, Tosa says one pasuk is about Yericho and one pasuk is about the eye. I, I, I feel like I'm missing something here. I'm not sure, but anyway, two separate psukim, and at least one of them is not about Yericho at all. Rashi says, Rashi says that Rashi also acknowledges that at least one of these psukim is not about Yericho; it's about the eye. Lobo so kamar. So what the Gemara says, miyad. The Gemara says Yeshua immediately accepted the rebuke and immediately took uh, corrective action. So what do you mean miyad? It wasn't until the eye. So Rashi says it means that. Miyad Chazi Yeshua Mitvarov. Yeshua immediately realized that he was adopting the wrong course. He immediately accepted that he had been wrong. He didn't have a chance to put it into practice until later. But later, when he had a chance, when he was when he was besieging the eye, he, uh, he 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 charted a new course and he had, and he did what he had resolved to do earlier, which was to make sure to study Torah, even when he was even when he was fighting a battle. So this is what. Rashi and Tosus. This is what the Gemara says. What Rashi and Tosus say that the Malach had a criticism on him for neglecting his spiritual obligations. There were actually two criticisms. One was for a failure to offer the Tamid. The other was a. The other was because of the because failure to study Torah. Both of these, presumably, his justification was we're in the middle of a war. We, we have to we have to be more flexible about observance. But the, the reason that was not a correct justification, even though, yes, the, the being in a war does sometimes justify, will override the need to keep all of halacha, because nefesh is a critical value, but nevertheless, the, the way Rashi understands, the, the key point is, this was nighttime, this was not a time of war, so even though you're in the middle of a campaign, not every moment is, is critical to the war. When you have downtime, when you have some time that, 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 uh, that the urgent need to, uh, to be involved in the war is not, is not pressing, you need to go back and remember that we have a Torah and we have to observe the laws of the Torah. And in particular, in particular, we have to make sure that we don't neglect the study of Torah. What is this Gemara doing in Megillah? So it's a very interesting thing. The, the, the Gemara says that Megillah is a very, very important mitzvah. Reading the Megillah is a very, very important mitzvah. The Gemara says 
The Gemara says that even Kohanim and, and Leviim, who are doing the Avodah, the temple service, you would think that's a really, really important thing, and they're too busy for Megillah, maybe. Nope. We're mevatel the avodah, mevatel the kohanim b'avodasam, levim b'duchanam, the kohanim and their service, the levim and their their singing and their their their, their part of the service. We we suspend all that, and they have to come here mikra megil. Kohanim b'levim, kohanim b'avodasam, levim b'duchanam, Yisrael b'mamadam. The Yisrael have a part of the avodah as well. They they're supposed to be there as represent. There was a group of people, Yisraelim, not kohanim or levim, who are representatives of the nation. They, they, they would be present at the time of the carbon. As representatives of the nation, they would also have a role to play. So all these people would would suspend their activities of the avoda, and they would come to hear the megillah. Mikan, some kushal base rebbe, based on this precedent that even those involved in the temple service would suspend their their holy work to hear the megillah. So base rebbe had a had a policy, had a practice. They would that, that they would be mavatal Torah, that that, that 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 they would that they would stop learning Torah in order to come hear the megillah. That they would, uh, they would be mavatal Torah to hear the Megillah, and their logic was, they said, Kalvachomer, that even avoda, avoda is a very serious thing. Doing avoda in the Mikdash is a tremendously important thing, and yet we say you have to mavatal it to hear the Megillah. Certainly Talmud Torah, it's not the base of Mikdash. Certainly Talmud Torah, we should mavatal to come hear the, come hear the base of Mikdash. As an aside, some of Farshim I believe asked, they say. He says, Mavatal Talmud Torah to hear the Megillah. Isn't the Megillah also Talmud Torah? It's Torah, it's part of Tanakh. Why isn't that also Torah? They give different explanations. I think some say you have to travel to Shul, you have to go to Shul, it takes time, getting at, leaving the base Medrash, going there, going back. Some say that there's an, there's an element of qualitative, qualitative bit of Torah. A person can learn Torah, but he can learn Torah in different ways. He can learn Torah on a, a more basic, more rudimentary level. He can learn Torah in a, someone who's capable can learn Torah in a deeper level, can, can, can study things more deeply and more intensely. So hearing the Megillah read in shul is kind of a lowest common denominator. Everyone in shul can do that. Men, women, children, they all hear the story. It's not necessarily the deepest form of Talmud Torah. You can study Midrashim, you can learn Halacha, you can think about it. So for some people who are Talmud Chachamim, they were capable of more. So for them, a qualitatively greater degree of Talmud Torah might have been to study their Gemara or to learn Megillah like the, like, like the rabbi shared last night, which was full of uh, deeper analyses of the Megillah. So the, you know, there are ways of learning Torah that might have might be, on a, on a strictly speaking, most bang for your buck uh, metric might be more effective, but no, the Mikra Megillah is so important, Pursuma Nisa in a public, in a shul setting, is so important that, that, that you go here in the Megillah, even if on a pure uh, cost-benefit analysis you might think that I can learn Torah better somewhere else, but, and Rebbe Rebbe decided that based on a Kalachomer from Avodah, you Mavatal the Avodah, the temple service for Megillah, certainly you should Mavatal Talmud Torah. The Mara says, really? That Kalachomer is assuming that Talmud Torah is less important than the Avodah. I don't know, is that really true, the Gemara says? I, I can argue that Talmud Torah is, is more important than Avodah, because we see that when the Malach came to Yeshua, and he had two criticisms, they were Mavatal the Karban Tamid, that's Avodah, and then Mavatal Talmud Torah, which was the more critical thing? Talmud Torah. So you see, Talmud Torah is more important than the Avodah. So how can you tell me that Beis Rebbe said a Kalachomer in the context of Megillah that Avodah is more important than Talmud Torah, on the contrary, we see in the, we see in the story of Yeshua that uh, Talmud Torah is more important than Avodah. Yes. So Sim was pointing out that Talmud Torah you can always learn. The, the, the carbon Talmud has specific times. Okay, that's true. Carbonas you can't make up. 
but uh, certain commandments you can't make up, certain certain commandments you can, certain ones you can't, the Talmud you can't. But uh, but the point is right. But the Gemara still says, despite the fact that it was too late for the Talmud, the the, the, the so Simchas may be suggesting that that Talmud Torah was more important because they could still correct it. I mean, they couldn't correct the fact that they had not studied Torah until now. They could correct it for the next time. At the I, we said. Yeah, okay, but one way or another, the, 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 the Gemara is saying that here we see that Talmud Torah is more important than Atabasi. Talmud Torah is more important than Avod. And, and, and previously we said that Avod is more important than Talmud Torah. That's the Kalvachomer is based on that. So the Gemara concludes, the Gemara concludes, even though, yes, from this story you see that Talmud Torah is more important than, than, the, than, the, than the carbon Talmud, the Gemara says, Hadirabim Hadiyachid. Gemara makes a chiluk between Talmud Torah of Rabbim and Talmud Torah of Yachid. Talmud Torah of, of a collective, of a Rabbim, of a, a large group of people, like in the case of Yeshua, is the whole nation, that is of the utmost importance. That's even more important than the Avodah. Even, even more important than the Avodah of the carbon Talmud, which was also a, a Tzibur, a, a, a national carbon. So Talmud Torah of the Rabbim, though, is so important that nothing is more important than that. The Talmud Torah is more important even than Avodah. Talmud Torah of private people, a base rabbi, for that, uh, the, the Avodah is more important. So the Gemara says we have a hierarchy. We have three levels. We have Talmud Torah of the Rabbim, Talmud Torah on a national level. That's the most important. We have, we have the Avodah, like Karman Talmud is in the middle. And, uh, and we have Talmud Torah de Yachid, like Beis Rebbe. That was on, also very important, but that's less important than the Karman Talmud. So this is what the Gemara says, that Yeshua was criticized for not studying Torah. And he accepted the rebuke, and he took corrective action. At the, at the eye, he, he took corrective action to make sure he studied Torah. The Radak... The Radak is not happy at all with this, with this approach of Chazal. As we've mentioned previously, the Radak, on the one hand, is, he, he, on the one hand he's, uh, he's one of the Mepharshiyah Pshat. He, he tries to explain what he thinks is Pshutu Shal Mikra, the straightforward reading of the text. On the other hand, the Radak had a tremendous respect for Chazal. He had a very, uh, very differential, he brings Midrashim frequently, and he had a very differential attitude toward Chazal. We mentioned uh, in the context of the, of the story of the Aron, about the Aron, whether the Chazal say the Aron, the Kohanim left the Yardin on the east side, or the Aron had to fly them over to the west side. The Radak, we say, was very perplexed. Where did Chazal get that from? It's, the Psukim don't imply that, and we can read the Psukim much more naturally without such a uh, strange assumption. But he says, at the end, even, though he has a, even though he has a lengthy critique of Chazal, at the end of the day, he says, Chazal knew what they were saying, their, their wisdom was greater than ours, and I defer to Chazal. But here, the Radak has a, has a, very, has a very sharp criticism of this Gemara, and he does not uh, end by saying that Chazal were smarter. He, he just says he does, that Chazal is saying something very strange. He has a number of objections to what Chazal said. He says, Drash. There is a Midrash, the Gemara in Megillah and elsewhere, that it was a criticism of Bittal Torah and Karban Tamid, and uh, says the Radak, says the Radak, Drash Rachel. This midrash is rachok, meaning it is, it is you know, far, far from pshat. It is far from uh, it's unreasonable. He says this drash is very, very implausible. He says. First question, most interesting question. Fundamentally, the value of this gemara, he says, is not right. He says, what do you mean they should have been learning Torah? There's a war going on. So again, we saw Rashi addresses that by saying at nighttime they couldn't fight, so we should have studied Torah. Radak, maybe he feels like Simcha said that they had to sleep, they had to prepare for the war, they had to, they had to train, they had to, uh, they had to, they needed some downtime. So whatever it is, the Radak says you can't criticize the army in a war for not spending enough time studying Torah. That's just not a reasonable criticism. Then he says the pasuk of Yoel and Yeshua is Melchemes 
And that's not Yericho. We saw the Rashi and Tosfos. Rashi and Tosfos acknowledge that. They say, Rashi says the Gemara means that he, he accepted his, uh, his error and he agreed and he, and, and, he, and he determined to rectify it on the next occasion. Says the Radak, he, he thinks this is a problem with Chazal. This Pasuk is not about Yericho, it's Mulchemes Sa'ai. Furthermore, he says, the, the Kosev Adrash Azeh, the writer of this Midrash, is, he, he, he confused the Psukim. There are two different Psukim, and it's, uh, both those Psukim are about Yericho, we said, but, but, but anyway, it's, uh, anyway, he says it's two different Psukim. So the Radak has these three questions. First of all, he's conflating two different Psukim. Second, the Psukim are not about Yericho at all, they're about the eye. <coughs> and third, he says, and to me the most interesting question is, uh, what do you mean they should have learned Torah? It's a, there's a war going on. We saw Rashi has an explanation, but there's a war. How is it reasonable to expect the people to, uh, to be studying Torah when there's a war? So the Radak here does not defend Chazal. He doesn't have any answers. He doesn't even say, Chazal were so wise, so I defer to them. He just says, I don't understand this Midrash. It's a very difficult Midrash. Yes? It's not one of those that says it could be all just a dream. And maybe things were conflated in the vision. Those who say, Radak, I don't think says this. Radak, I don't know if he says this was a dream. He did follow the Rambam in many areas. I wouldn't be surprised if he said it was a dream. Um, even if it was a dream, I think, though, I think the questions would still remain. The question is, because I'll say the lesson of the dream, the, the dream has a lesson. The dream has a message for Yeshua. If the message was, you should be studying Torah, I mean, that message is, Radak feels, is just wrong. That you can't tell soldiers in an army that they need to be studying Torah. And, and in terms of the Psukim, yeah, the Psukim, I guess you could say that, 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 that the, Psukim are, the Psukim really weren't part of the dream. The Psukim were what the Gemara is saying. Psukim later was saying what Yeshua did to show that he took the message to heart. So, yeah, okay, interesting question. So but that's another interesting point. The Megillah itself, the mitzvah of Mikra Megillah, obviously did not exist in the time of Joshua. The mitzvah of Mikra Megillah didn't, the story didn't happen until Purim, and the mitzvah wasn't instituted until Purim. Right, so apparently the Gemara is saying that even a mitzvah drabanan, which is a rel- which is rel- which is of you know lesser weight than a mitzvah daraisa, is still so important that we uh, that, that 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 we that it overrides Torah. In the story of Joshua, we see that Torah is so important that it overrides even the need to fight a war. Even, even, even it's more important even than the avodah. It's more important than the carbon tamid. But yes, that's also also worth keeping in mind. Mitzvah drabanan, mitzvah daraisa. So I want to speak a little bit more about this general question. How do we treat the importance of Talmud Torah, and in particular, what do we do when other critical values, even you know, military success, national survival, are at stake? So there's a, there, there's a famous uh, beloved Gemara in Brachas. The Gemara in Brachas says that it was a time of Roman persecution, and the, the Romans were pretty ruthless. And it says, the Gemara the, the, the brings the story that, that there was once a Xera of the Malchus Arashah, of the Roman government, that Jews were not allowed to study Torah. So Papas ben Yehuda, a certain figure called Papas ben Yehuda, who some say was not a skeptic, not a troublemaker, some say he was... Some say he was a, uh, a tremendous tzaddik, but someone who gave up his life to save Klal Yisrael at, at later, later, apparently. But Papas ben Yehuda, whoever he was, 
he says that he fa- he once encountered Rabbi Akiva, the great Rabbi Akiva, who was Makel Kilos Barabim, who was assembling large groups and was studying Torah. He was flouting the Roman decree, and not just in a, in a basement somewhere. He was he's getting large groups together. And he, he was recklessly uh, flouting the, the the Roman decree and was studying Torah. Amalei Akiva, what are you doing? He said. Aren't you afraid of the government? He says, they're, they're going to find you. They're going to kill you. They're going to torture you and kill you. He told him, Em mashal. I'll give you a mashal, a very, very famous mashal. He said, Doma. My, my mashal is as follows. There was a fox that was walking on a riverbank, and the fox saw that there, were fi- that there were fish that were swimming around from place to place. And he said, uh, you know, where are you going? Why are you so busy? You know, why don't you just uh, relax and, and just... Uh, Stay in one place. Like, what are you so? What are you so? Uh, why are you so uh, agitated? They said there are fishermen. There are nets. People are casting nets and trying to catch us. You know, we can't afford to just stay in one place. We have to be on the move all the time to avoid getting caught by the fishermen. So he told them, "I have a solution for you." He says, "He says, uh, why don't you climb? Why don't you come onto the dry land? You'll escape all the fishermen. You'll you'll come with me, and we'll uh, and we'll we'll live together on dry land." The fish told him. Seriously, they said. They said, you're the fox. You're, you're the one who has a reputation as being the, a, a wise and clever and cunning animal, he said. You're the one who's supposed to be the pikeach shebechayas. You're not, a, you're, not a, you're not a cunning animal. You're a fool if you're proposing this, he says. And they said, it doesn't make any sense. The, 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 the water is where we live. The water is makom chiyuseinu, the place that provides us life. A fish, like a fish in the water, we say. It's a, the fish out of water, a fish in the water. The water is everything to us. Water is life. If we're in danger, even on the, land, even on the water, they said, to go out of water is suicide. To go out of, uh, to go out of the water and think that will improve things, that, 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 that's, uh, that's out of the frying pan into the fire. That, that, that would be completely counterproductive, they said. You, you, you can analyze the details of this muscle. But that's what Rikiva said. That is the mashal. The mashal is, we are studying Torah. The Torah says, So, so if we're going to have, if we, yes, we might have trouble from the Romans when we learn Torah. Imagine if we don't learn Torah, what, 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 uh, what problems we'll have. So Rikiva said, we have to learn Torah. So putting aside exactly what this mushal was, what, 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 what the fox's argument was, what the fish's argument was, putting aside exactly what the mushal was. But Bikiva's point was, yes, I, I don't deny that the Romans are a serious threat. He wasn't downplaying the, 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 the severity of the Roman threat. Rikiva understood perfectly well that the Romans were ruthless, were determined, and were, uh, would have no compunctions in killing him, and they did. It actually happened. It says, not long after this, they seized Rikiva, and they they seized Rabbi Akiva and they uh, they tortured him horribly to death. They they, they and, and he was uh, they, he was one of the great martyrs. The the Sarugim Malchus. They they I think it was one of the Sarugim Malchus. They they tortured him to death. So what is the lesson of the story? Papa Benyuda was correct. Rabbi Akiva didn't deny that he was correct. That learning Torah, especially in large groups, is a really dangerous thing to do. Normally, we know that we we we, we, we can violate almost any issue in the Torah to to uh, to uh, to you know to save our lives. Mechal Shabbos to save a life. We will drive to the hospital on Shabbos, even if there's a relatively small chance of death. There was a really there's a serious chance of death here. The the, the, the Romans were not the Romans weren't playing around. The, the, we see what happened in the end. So the. There was a very serious chance of death. So, so what was Rabbi Kiva's point? So what, what was the halachic point? Well, what was the 
What was Rabbi Kiva's, putting aside the marshal, what was Rabbi Kiva's point? Is it really true that a person is supposed to risk his life to study Torah? So there are a number of approaches taken to this question. One of them appears in the Sefer Meshachachma. The, the, the Meshachachma was a Sefer by Rameir Simcha of Dvinsk, one of the beloved acronym of about a century ago, author of the Arsamech as well on the Rambam. The Meshachachma talks about this question. Is a person supposed to risk his life for Talmud Torah? He brings a Gemara that says a person generally should not risk his life for Talmud Torah. It says that, says that the, in general, he argues a person, you know, Talmud Torah is very important, but you shouldn't risk your life for Talmud Torah. There are various Gemaras that indicate that. However, the Meshachachma says, the Meshachachma says that's individual Talmud Torah. We saw in Megillah the Chilah between Talmud Torah de Yachid, Talmud Torah de Rabbim. He says, Talmatar diyachin, a person's private Talmatar, or even a small group maybe, that's Talmatar diyachin, a person's not supposed to risk his life for Talmatar diyachin. However, he says, Talmatar de Rabbim, mass Talmatar, Talmatar of a large group, he says, national Talmatar, a person is required to risk his life, he says. Where do I see that? The story of Yeshua? He says, Nenash Yeshua, Yeshua was punished or was criticized for not studying Torah at a time of war. We saw the Radaka, what do you mean? It's a, it, you have to have a, we're having a war. The, if Talmud Torah, he assumes, the Radaka assumes Talmud Torah would be, in Ilmkul, would be incompatible with the war effort. So of course the Radaka says the war goes first. Says the Meshachach, but no, that's exactly what Chazal is telling us here. <coughs> that Talmud Torah de Yachid is set aside for, for Pikuach Nefesh. Talmud Torah de Rabbim is not. Talmud Torah on a national scale, for sure, is something that's so important, even if it means assuming some level of risk. It's a risk we have to take. We simply cannot afford to give up Talmud Torah. Again, maybe there are limits. Maybe, if, I don't know, how much Talmud Torah you have to have. Did we keep a study Torah? How often did he study Torah? How many hours a day? But this is the Meshachachmet understanding of, the, of these two Gemaras, the Gemara of Rabbi Kiva and the learning Torah in a time of Roman persecution, and the Gemara of Yeshua, that the Talmud Torah de Rabbim is so important, not only is it more important than the Avodah, than the Karban Tamid, it's even more important than life itself. A person has to risk his life to, to study Torah when we're talking about Torah on a national scale. Right. So, 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 so Jerry's suggesting another point, which is that we know throughout throughout Chumash Dvarim that Hashem tells us that you, you're going to see fearsome enemies. We discussed this earlier in our share on Yeshua. Don't be afraid. Hashem tells Yeshua, "Don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to grant you victory." And uh, <coughs> and uh, so that, that this is the idea of Bitachon that that the Torah repeatedly tells us a person has to trust in Hashem. So maybe the point is that the, if a person trusts in Hashem, he, he can afford to learn Torah, he can afford to do what Hashem wants. So that's, so it's a, it's a, that's certainly an important point. To be talking is certainly a, 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 a fundamental Jewish value. The, the, it, it's, it's very tricky, though, understanding when to do that is very tricky, because on the one hand, as we've discussed in the past, on the one hand, despite Bitachon, Hashem does want us also to act B'derech HaTeva. We mentioned about the sending Meraglim, for example. Some say sending Meraglim was wrong. Others say, should have Bitachon and Hashem. Others say, yeah, uh, praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Hashem wants you to trust Him, but He also wants you to take action in a responsible way. So the question then becomes, uh, I, what, when do you say, I have to do this? It's part of the necessary, what Hashem wants me to do. And when do you say, but I also have to do what God wants. I also have to study Torah. So that, 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 that's always, that, that, that's a never-ending 
question about how to resolve that tension. But yes, I mean, maybe there's some element to that at play here as well. Yes. It doesn't seem like these stories support that conclusion. I think it just says, that when, if I remember correctly, that it says Joshua went to the valley. It doesn't say Joshua and the people went to the valley or he took anybody with it. It's, it's, an, it's an individual study. That's an interesting point. But the question is, uh, who is being criticized for not learning? Just Yeshua personally should have learned? Or like we said with the Talmud, Yeshua is being, Yeshua is being criticized because the Jewish people, the Quran didn't bring the Talmud. So who is Torah? Who, Bittal Torah is Yeshua's personal Torah? Or are we talking about the whole nation having, uh, having a share and having a Seder and learning Torah? The, he's pointing out that the, that the Torah said... That the Torah says that the Navi says later, Yeshua went to learn, went to the Amek. So the implication is Yeshua himself then personally studied Torah. Maybe all the soldiers kept on training or whatever they were doing, getting a good night's sleep. Interesting question. I'm not sure. Right, but the Gemara does call it Talmud Torah Darabim. The Gemara does the Gemara does say in Megillah that uh, that this is called Talmud Torah Darabim. So yes, it's an interesting point. It says the Yalin Yeshua, but the Gemara is calling this Talmud Torah Darabim, and that's what the uh, Meshachachma assumes as well. There, there, are, there, are other, there are other approaches to the Gemara in Brachas. The Gemara in Brachas that says that Rabbi Kiva was apparently correct in learning Torah, even though he was risking his life. There are other approaches as well. The Marsha on that Gemara, the Marsha says that Marsha says that there are certain cases where a person has to give up his life for any mitzvah, even, even, even ordinary garden variety, so to speak, mitzvahs. The Gemara, the Gemara says if it's a shas hashmad, if there's an active and deliberate attempt by the enemy to uproot Torah, they don't just want us to do things for their personal benefit. They, they're actively trying to, to tear the Torah away from us. We have to fight that, to, even if it means giving up our lives. So b'shas hashmad, even for small things, even for minhagim, we have to we have to we have to take a principled stand. We will not give in to an attempt to uproot the Torah from us and give up our lives. The Roman the Roman persecution was b'shas hashmad. Or he says there's a rule that b'farhesia if 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 the, if, if the avera that you're being asked to do. Is, is in front of a group of people and the enemy is trying to get you to do it even if it's not a shas hashman, you have to give up your life. These halakhs are specific to what an enemy is doing. When a person's sick or driving to the hospital, it doesn't matter if it's for Hesia or not. You could have the entire street lined up with people watching you. There's no rule of Hesia if, if it's just a question of danger from illness or medical condition. But if it's an attempt by non-Jews, by enemies, to get you to do a virus, then... It might be a shas hashmad. If it's for Hesse, you can't do it. So maybe the Masha suggests that Rabbi Kiva fit into those those rules. Or he says, alternatively, there's a major machlokas rishonim. Rambam against other rishonim. There's a major, major machlokas rishonim. Whether in a case where the halacha is yavar bal yaharik, in a case where you're not machiyav to give up your life, are you allowed to? Can a person decide that he loves Hashem and the Torah so much he wants to give up his life anyway? Now again, in a case where the danger is not with a where the danger is not from the enemy, in a case where it's just a question of sickness, then most posts can say you're not allowed to. Even if you want to be pious and from you're, you're, you're considered an avarian if you don't do it, a suicide. If a person says, even though I'm sick, I refuse to eat onion kepper, even though my, the doctors all agree that it's a matter of life and death, I won't do it. Or the doctors say, you must take this medicine, which has non-kosher ingredients, and if you don't, you're going to die, and you say, I will not contaminate my body with non-kosher, that's wrong. That's virtually unanimously agreed. But again, when it's an enemy trying to get you to do a virus, even though normally we say, if it's not Shasash Mad and it's not for Hesia, you're supposed to give in. If, 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 the, if a certain person tells you, mow my lawn, it's Shabbos, I don't care, I need my lawn mowed, I need my lawn mowed, if you don't do it, I'm going to kill you. Normally you do that. It's not Shasash Mad, and it's not Farhesia, so you do it. 
However, some Rishonim say if a person wants to give up his life and say, I will not do it, Shabbos is so important to me, I will not give in to a demand to Michal Shabbos, some posts can say that's a praiseworthy thing. Rambam says that's still enough error. That person's, uh, person's considered a, a sinner if he does that. So maybe the Marshal said, according to some Rishonim, Rabbi Kiva could have decided to, since the enemy was, was pushing him, that, that he could have decided to give up his life even though he wasn't Mechayiv to. But all these three approaches are, are again, are all, are all within the idea that Pikuach Nefesh, when it's at the at gunpoint, when an enemy is trying to get you to do something that's against the Torah, even though in some cases you're allowed to give in, in some cases you either have to or are permitted to to, to, to not give in. It's a, that, that, that's the Marsha's understanding of this Gemara. Baruch Bar Libowitz, the great Rosh Hashiva of, of Kamenetz, one of the greatest of the greatest figures in the Yeshiva world in the 20th century. Baruch Bar Libowitz brings this story of, in, in, he, has, he has a very famous essay about the importance of Talmud Torah. It's printed in the, printed in the introduction to one of the volumes of his Sefer, Baruch Shmuel. I think he was writing this in response to a question, I think maybe even by Rav Shimon Schwab, who had asked several Yudalei Torah questions about what's the Torah's perspective on a student going to university instead of going to yeshiva. How do we deal with that? Is it Bittal Torah? Do we have to stay and learn Torah? So different Yudalei answered him in different ways, if it's for earning a living, for this, for that. So there were different approaches. For Baruch Bear was uh, something of a hardliner. He, had, he, he, he lived and loved and breathed Torah and had no, you know, no tolerance for anything else. So Baruch Bear had wrote a classic essay on the importance of Torah study, in which he wrote, he brought the story of Rebbe Kiva and the, and the fox and the fish, and he said, the Rishonim ask, I'm not sure which Rishonim, I don't think I ever found these Rishonim, but he says, the Rishonim ask, medieval commentaries ask, he said, how could he give up his life? We just said, how could he do it? We saw several approaches. We saw the Marsha had a few approaches. We saw the Meshachachma's approach, the Talmud Torah de Rabbim, is Docha, is Docha, Pikuach Nefesh. Baruch Bear says, a similar approach to the Meshach Achmar, Baruch Bear says, we showed him say, he says, this is more than just an individual mitzvah of the study of Torah. This is called Kiyum Kol HaTorah. The entire, the, the perpetuation of Torah, the, the, the ability to pass the Torah on to future generations, it all hinged on being able to study Torah. If you have a generation where nobody's learning Torah, even if it's technically justified because of Roman persecution, if, if I'm not going to learn, nobody's going to learn. If Rekiva's not learning, nobody's learning Torah, Barabbim, how is Torah going to be passed? They, they didn't even have books or computers or anything else. If, if Torah was taught orally back then. If, if nobody's teaching Torah, then that's it. In one generation, Torah's gone. So he says, since if when the entire, when the entire existence and the perpetuation of Torah hinges on studying Torah, then the, the that's the muscle of the facts. They weren't just saying that it's uh, they weren't just saying that Talmud Torah is very important. They were saying our whole life, our whole ability to survive. A fish out of water is not a fish. A fish out of water has no uh, long term viability. That's what Rekiva was saying. The mitzvah of Talmud Torah, all right, you know, mitzvahs we set aside for Bikuach Nefesh. But if it's our whole environment that we need to live, the, the, the Kalal Yisrael without Torah is not, is not Yisrael, is not, has, no, has no viability. Therefore, at this point, the learning Torah was so crucial that we, uh, that we say that, uh, that the, you learn Torah even though it puts you at risk. Now, in general, in, in, moving on a little bit more broadly beyond this, the question of risking your life, Learning Torah and its relationship to other mitzvahs is a very paradoxical affair. There, there are, the Gemara has a debate which is more important, Limra Torah or mitzvahs. There, there's a, uh, we see this in the Megillah also. There's a famous midrash that says that at the end of the Megillah it says, Ki Mordechai HaYehudi, he was Ratzui L'Rov Echav. He was approved of, he was favored by most of his people. The Gemara says most, but not all. He had critics. You think he was the, the hero of the day, he saved the Jewish people, he vanquished Haman, you think he would be the, 
an absolutely unambiguous hero, the Gemara says, some of the Sanhedrin had uh, withdrawn their support from Mordechai because he had abandoned Torah to be involved in politics, to be involved in Atzal's Nefashos. It wasn't politics in our sense. It wasn't politics in just uh, making a career of politics. It was the noblest thing you can imagine, saving the lives of the Jewish people. Nevertheless, he wasn't learning Torah. Some people said, Mordechai, you're not the same as before. Maybe he was right, maybe he had to do it, but the... He wasn't Mordechai anymore. He wasn't the same Mordechai who was just uh, learning Torah and studying with the Sanhedrin. So, the, again, Pikoch Nefesh for the whole Klai Yisrael. You have to say Klai Yisrael. You can't say, I'm just going to learn. Even if you have Bitochon, it's your job to, to do what has to be done. Nevertheless, because I'll have this idea that it's still not the same as learning Torah. And indeed, there, there's, a, there's a very interesting kind of paradox. On the one hand, we say Talmud Torah connected Kulam, that we, uh, Talmud Torah is the most important thing. On the other hand, in practice, we, we set aside Talmud Torah relatively easily. For most mitzvahs, there's a rule, Osik mitzvah, patrim na mitzvah. If a person is involved in one mitzvah, and another mitzvah comes along, he doesn't, he, he, you're not supposed to drop the first mitzvah you're doing. You're supposed to say, I'm already doing a mitzvah. The second mitzvah is not, is, is not my responsibility right now. The, the second mitzvah is not, the, the Gemara talks about whether a, whether a person who's traveling on a mitzvah errand has to sit in a sukkah, you're involved in a mitzvah. So when you're doing something which is a mitzvah, you're not normally, you, you don't have to, you're not even supposed to, you're not, you're not supposed to abandon the first mitzvah in favor of the second. So one might think, if I'm studying Torah, and then an opportunity to do a mitzvah comes along, I should say, I'm already doing a mitzvah, I'm already studying Torah. You're, you, you have a share, you're in the middle of learning Torah, and then someone comes along and says, I, I, I have a need, to my, it's a, there's some mitzvah, going to a wedding, it's a mitzvah to go to a wedding. What should you say? Should you say, I'm learning Torah, or should you say not? The halacha is, the Gemara makes a distinction, the Gemara says it depends. A mitzvah that somebody else could do. Someone needs to uh, drive somebody to the hospital. It's a mitzvah. Someone needs to visit the sick. It's a mitzvah. If I'm learning Torah and someone else can do it, then the halacha is, better that someone else should do it, and I should not be mevatzel my Talmud Torah, because Talmud Torah is very important. However, if no one else can do it, it's either me or nobody, then the halacha is, you are mevatel Talmud Torah to do the mitzvah. Any mitzvah that cannot be done in this situation cannot be done by anybody but me, even though I'm learning Torah, even though normally we say, oh, it's a mitzvah, mitzvah, but, but Talmud Torah is, is different, is less in this sense than other mitzvahs, I have to stop learning Torah. This is what they always say in yeshiva. If you're discussing whether to go to a wedding, you're going to miss a few hours of yeshiva, studying Torah. What should you do? It depends. If, if there are enough people at the wedding, other people can go to the wedding, and the chasen will be happy without you, you're not such a close friend, then don't go, because Torah is more important. But if you're close enough that, that, that your absence will be felt, that your absence will not be replaced by anybody else, that's called a mitzvah she if she lost like that and you have to do it you should go do it and that's why we go to weddings even when we have yeshiva sometimes it's obviously a slight uh, it, it can be a difficult judgment call sometimes how important is if I have a bris I have to go to I'll miss an hour of uh, my morning seder so it's not an easy it's not always an easy call to make but in principle that's the rule that Talmud Torah you set aside for a mitzvah that cannot be done by anybody else but you do the Talmud Torah if the mitzvah could be done by somebody else again the question is why Talmud Torah can I get kulam Talmud Torah is so important for every other mitzvah in the Torah we say if you're doing one you don't stop to do another one you would have thought Kolshkein Talmud Torah is even more important so the Meiri has an explanation the Meiri says yes it is a little bit of a paradox but there's a reason for it he says that he says he says, he says that why is this? Don't we say, don't we say that Osimitz oh, Patron Mitzvah and certainly Talmud Torah? So he says no. He says that since Talmud Torah, the point of Torah is to learn what to do. The point of Torah is to understand how to do mitzvahs, to learn the mitzvahs, to learn what Hashem wants from us, and to do it. 
it doesn't make sense to use Torah as an excuse, he says, to, 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 to not do a mitzvah. The whole point of Torah is to do mitzvahs. You have to do mitzvahs. Not sure I fully understand that, but that's what the Miri says. A similar argument is made about Hashavah Saveda. The halacha is, again, n- normally we say that Osi mitzvah patrim are mitzvah. Let's say a person's learning Torah. And then he sees uh, he has an, he sees an Aved. If he takes care of the lost property, if he takes care of the lost property, he stops to pick it up, to track down the owner, it'll waste time that he otherwise would be learning. You're on your way to Yeshiva, you're, then you, you, see, you see some lost property on the ground, if you get off the bus, you stop, you park your car, you start picking up the lost property, the, securing it, it'll take time, you'll miss some time from Torah. Should you do that? The halacha is yes, you have to do that, the post can say. Even though, again, Osi Mitzvah Patrim Mitzvah, and more than that, the halacha is, you don't even have to return a Veda if it'll cost you money, if, it'll, if, if, if I'll be late to work and I'll be docked uh, money. But you don't have to do that. You, you don't have to give up your work to return a Veda. Your, your money comes first. If the Veda is worth more than your loss, then what you're supposed to do is, if, if it's a diamond ring that's worth $5,000 and you'll lose $100 of income, you return the ring and you send him the bill for the for the for the lost hundred dollars. But if you can't get paid back, or if the, 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 then you don't you don't have to, you don't have to give up work. So Talmatar, you think Talmatar is even more important than work? But again, contemporary posts can say the whole point of Torah is to do the mitzvahs. The whole point of even though yes, Talmatar in one sense is the most important thing in the world. It's more important than Navoda. On the other hand, you can't use Talmatara as a reason not to do mitzvahs. You, you can't. Imar has a discussion whether a person has to daven if he's learning Torah all day. There, there was one opinion of Rabbi Shimon Yechai that he would learn all day and wouldn't daven. But, but, but again, we don't do that. We, we say that, Tal, that Talmatara is suspended, is set aside in order to do mitzvahs. So on the one hand, the, the bottom line is Talmatara can I get kulam. There, there, there certainly is a, is, a, is a sense in Chazal Talmatara is the most important thing. In a certain sense, it's even more important than saving lives. Like we saw, the Sanhedrin had had, uh, had a certain coolness toward Mordechai because he was involved in saving lives instead of learning Torah. And also, we see that there are there, there are opinions that when you're dealing with national Talmud Torah, like Meshach Chachma says, or you're dealing with the, perpet- the entire perpetuation of Torah, like Rabbi Barakbar says, then it's uh, Torah is so important it even means you have to risk your life for Talmud Torah, and that's what happened apparently in the case of Yeshua. Again, there are different explanations in the story of Yeshua. The Radak has a hard time with it, but the Gemara seems to say, and the Meshach and the Birka Shmuel say that in certain contexts, the Talmud Torah is such a Talmud Torah is such a, an essential need of the Jewish people that even if it means uh, accepting some risk for life, we can't simply abandon the Torah. On the other hand, in uh, in other cases, you know, in, in, in in more limited cases, in local cases. Talmud Torah is a mitzvah, and the, and the mitzvah has to be, and sometimes, like other mitzvahs, we have to set it aside in order to preserve life. And that's what the Radak says, that he thinks in a time of war, he can't criticize the army for not studying Torah.